What's going on, everybody? This is T3 Podcast, Transformation Through Truth, and it is I, your host, Larry Lou, and I am glad that you could join me. I am a mirroring life coach who reflects not the outer shell of yourself that you can see, but the inside that you may not see, that you things that you may not know about yourself www.t3lifecoaching.org is how I can be reached if you need some assistance being guided to the path of transformation. Again, um, thank you for joining me. I hope you all have been enjoying the series, um, Who is the Prize? Um, I felt it was needed. I felt it would cause some uh, discussion um, and I, my main goal was to give some insight, um, and mainly that just, we are all the prize, or at least we, we should be to one another. The mailman may think he is better than the letter, but without the letter, he would have nowhere to go. He wouldn't know where to go. The letter ain't nothing but a piece of paper with some writing on it. But without that letter, the mailman is lost. So, uh, again, I hope you um, enjoyed that series. But it, a friend reminded me that I really haven't properly introduced myself. Um, again, my name is Larry Lou. L-A-R-R-Y. L-E-U. The L-E-U is very symbolic. Um, It is the first three letters in the word leukemia. I have been diagnosed with leukemia since 2016. I take a chemotherapy pill every day. I have to take a bunch of magnesium or calcium and magnesium pills because if I don't, I will wake up and I won't be able to move. The first time that happened to me, you can imagine it was very, very frightening. But um, this disease that I have contracted You might be surprised to hear me say, but I'm very grateful. It has opened my eyes up to who I really was and who I really am and who I would like to become. I can't tell you exactly, you know, how I contracted this disease, uh, how I was chosen to carry this burden, um... The only thing I can say is that I went in for extraction at the dentist. And upon the extraction, I go home, but it wouldn't clot. And so I kept going back to the dentist and the dentist couldn't understand why. So I finally, you know, the dentist told me I needed to go to my primary care physician And so I went, you know, got some blood drawn, you know, the usual and headed back and was about to get ready to go to work until I got a phone call in my car 
telling me to don't be alarmed, but I need to go check myself in to the hospital. Told me to go home and pack a bag because they were going to keep me a while. So you can imagine, I'm kind of freaking out. You know, I'm like, I'm just, you know, like, why? You know, I'm trying to find out, well, well, what's wrong with me? But they wouldn't tell me. They don't tell you them things. I guess they don't want you to panic or whatever. But they don't, you know, tell you. I think they sometimes want to be sure as well. But at any rate, um, I called my wife. Um, She was in school at the time. And I told her, you know, she didn't have to leave school um but of course she wasn't trying to hear that um so i went and picked her up and i called uh, my mother and my um mother and my sister uh met me and my wife up at the hospital um called one of my long time call him my brother and you know let him know what was going on and you know like but I'm, I, I don't know what's, what's going on, right? So going to the hospital and they check me in and right away I, I, I get a bed. You know, it was, oh, hold on. I made a phone call, boom. I'm, you know, they check the vitals, all that kind of thing. And right away I get a bed and I'm there for about two hours until finally I just asked, I said, ma'am, can you please tell me what's going on? Like no one has told me why I'm here. And the lady had this look on her face and um it just seemed like she just really did not want to tell me and she said well it looks like cancer and you know for a minute you know the the everything just kind of stops um everything slows down and my mother, my wife, and my sister, and it's just kind of speechless. And, you know, she said, so we look like we're going to have to start chemotherapy and this and that and the other. And, you know, the only thing I can say is, you know, kind of okay, but it's, it's, it's surreal, of course. So once I was told that, um, I ended up being in a hospital for 10 more days. Um, They wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to die because my numbers, my white count, um, my white blood cell count was so high that they wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to die. Now, the average white blood cell count is 10 to 12,000. I had 265. 5,000 in my body at the time and I thought that was a lot but when I tell you the next time I, I almost died and went to the hospital and tell you how much it was you, you you probably wouldn't believe me but but at that time um yeah they wanted to make sure that you know uh the medicine that they were giving me was helping and you know all that uh, all that stuff and I ended up being in there for 10 days um, they did a bone marrow biopsy where they took a drill and drilled my side to get a sample of my bone marrow and I was not put to sleep. 
I have a pretty high threshold for pain, but that I will never ever do again. Awoke if I have a choice, if I ever had to do it again. Um, I was mentally, I was mentally distraught over them drilling in my side. And, you know, just hearing it, you know, I it really hit me that something was wrong with me. And I and I cried, you know, and I'm not ashamed to say that I was full blown. I was in full blown tears because, you know, it wasn't so much of the pain, although it was excruciating. It was the fact that something was wrong with me. And I felt cheated. I was the guy working out five, six days a week. Um, I haven't eaten red meat in over 20 years. So I felt that I was doing everything that I was supposed to do in order for something like this not to happen to me. But lie and behold, it did. And... For a long time, I felt cheated. Um, so I'm in the hospital for 10 days and I end up where they drilled that. I end up getting a hematoma and I couldn't walk. So the woman that I married, who happens to be or was my best friend and still is one of my best friends. Um, she had to carry me along with the with the nurse um, to the bathroom and she told the nurse that she would take care of it, and she had to wash me up the whole time I was there I couldn't really do anything I was high on drugs and you know, for the, for the, because of the pain and um, I couldn't really do anything for myself I couldn't walk and she would put me on her you know on her shoulder Along with the with the nurse, carry me in the bathroom and wash me up, and wash wash all of me, you know. And it was so uh, I was. It was the first time in my life where I felt truly helpless, and it was a real reality check. And that woman bathed me. Um, did everything I needed to needed her to and didn't complain not one time. Not once. She acted like it was no problem. After the ten days, um I get out and I have what I had started, um and actually my sister had gave me the idea, um, just a love gathering. Um and a lot of my friends, you know, they came to see me and, you know, to support me and just, you know, see how I was doing and things of that nature. And, you know, it was em kind of embarrassing for them to see me like that. Um, I was on a, I had a walker for a while because, again, I still couldn't walk, still didn't have the strength. Um, so I'm managing this this disease um, I'm having to take this 
chemotherapy pill every day and I end up stop taking it on my own because it just didn't feel right and come to find out you know years later that I was allergic to it and the doctor just wouldn't change the medication he was probably getting the kickback we all know that cancer doctors are the only ones that get kickbacks kickbacks for medication at least that's what I learned through my research because once I got diagnosed I was reading everything because that's what I do I love to read so of course I'm trying to find out ways that I can help myself and not rely on just what the doctors say and what they give me and so I stopped taking it when I took it I would have these allergic reactions I lost my taste um I lost my sense of taste and the only thing that I could really taste would be something really sweet and I don't I didn't eat sweets or candy because of the sugar and I especially didn't need to eat sugar now because from what I read sugar feeds cancer the white blood cells need 10 times the sugar as regular um, blood cells white blood cells so I didn't want to feed the cancer but that was the only thing that I could eat you know so I'm losing weight um Fast forward, I end up falling out from not taking the medication. The disease just got worse and worse. I never told my wife. I just didn't want to. I wanted to do this on my own because I knew that no matter what anybody said, I was going to do what I wanted to do, and I was prepared to die for what I believed in. And I believed that the universe would heal me. That was my belief. I've always been a spiritual person and um, like I said, I felt cheated because my definition of being spiritual or righteous or whatever, I felt that I was at least on the path and that this shouldn't have happened to me. So I, I, I had my pity parties and one of the worst ones was... um. You know, when I didn't tell my wife and she found out that I stopped taking them, she found the pills and it was hadn't been opened and she just cried and I had apologized and told her, you know, why I wasn't. And she was just really upset that I didn't tell her because at least she wants to try to be there to support me because of the woman that she is. So I'm trying to do things on my own because it just didn't feel right, you know, with this medication the allergic reactions that I was having, I would get out the shower and I would itch so bad that my wife would just scratch me on one side of the body while I'm trying to scratch myself on the other side from head to toe. And this is every day, every day. And I'm asking myself, is this my life? Is this what I'm going to have to go through every single day? So I was pissed. I was hurt. I was confused and I didn't know what to do except what I was doing was to take matters into my own hand, own hands and if that didn't work I was prepared to die because I was I refused to live like that so again you know fast forward I falls out one day um gets taken back to the hospital I was with my wife and my son went to the hospital and this time I already know you know, the routine, and I know that what they were going to 
do or how they were going to treat me, I can do at home. Because now I kind of know, you know, what's going on, what to do. So I leave um, after that day because I wasn't about to give money that I didn't have. Because I can tell you how much it costs to be in a hospital for 10 days. Trust me, you don't want to know. Anyway, um, so I leave the hospital and I go back to my primary care physician. Now, mind you, I'm 6'1". The biggest I've been was 220, all muscle. I used to work out, like I say, five, six times a week. I'm working out. I'm 6'1", 220. I am now 116 pounds. And my doctor, who I respect a lot, he's a straight shooter. He said, if you keep on this path, you're not going to be with us much longer, is what he said. And I knew he was telling the truth because I can feel in my body, my breathing was changing because I had so many white blood cells in my body. I mean, my body felt heavy. I can feel it, but I was ready to die because I refused to take that medication. One morning, I'm up. I think I started washing dishes and I was playing some music and I broke down so, so mercifully, you know, and I just cried out and was asking, why me? You know, why me? And I think all of us who experience something like cancer. You know, we all ask that question. And I just cancer, you know, people that maybe had strokes and things of that nature, you know, it's, it's, it's why me? And so I broke down and my clothes were soaked by my tears. It was painful. I didn't want to be here. Not like this. And I felt like I was being tortured, which made me even more upset. At a so-called God, Allah, whatever you want to call it. I just call it the universe. I really call it the mystery because I don't believe any of us really know what it is behind, behind that curtain, so to speak. We don't know. We think we know, but we don't know. But all I know is I felt cheated. I was hurt. And then something happened to me. I only told a few people about this story. But I was in the bed. I was crying. You know, but I'm kind of calm now. My wife wakes up and she just starts to kind of rub my head. I love my rub to be head. It calms me. It solves all my problems. (laughs) My love language is physical touch, so as long as you're touching me, you know, I'm good. But anyway, she's touching me, and all of a sudden, inside my body, it feels like like a snake. Like something slithery is just going through my body. But people, when I tell you that this feeling is a feeling that I have never felt in my life, it felt better than sex. 
And I've told my wife and I've told a couple of the, the people that know of this story that if something or someone had asked me, did I want to leave this earth at that moment? I love my people. But I would have been out if the feeling that I was feeling was what I had to look forward to. I felt so good. I felt so safe, so reassured that I just wanted that feeling all the time. And I don't know if it was, you know, just touching my my body in certain spots. That's that's what I feel like it was doing. Because I felt that I was going to die soon. And when I set up, you know, I kept telling my wife, I just feel so good. I don't know what this feeling is. I don't, I just feel so good. And something came over me that told me that instead of fighting against something, fight for something. And that changed my whole perspective. And I let go. And I said, if the medication is what I'm supposed to take, that I would take it and have the faith that I would be okay. And I was resistant. I could feel myself resisting, but something just said, let go. And that's what I did. And I was doing these sort of like Tai Chi motions. Never done Tai Chi, never, you know, I can't say I didn't hear about it, but I didn't know exactly what it was. But I was doing these sort of motions and these breathe, this, 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 this breathing. But I didn't know where it came from. And I'm just doing these motions and I'm just breathing. And after it's all done, again, I'm soaking wet from sweat now and my wife just calls my name she said uh, Larry she's like something was in here <laughs> it was a, this energy that's all I can describe it I'm not trying to act like I've been to heaven and I've seen you know the, my ancestors or my, my, my great grandmother and relatives I'm not saying that all I can know that it was Something else in that room with us that convinced me to just let go. And ever since then, I've I, I've been okay. I've been okay. And I have welcomed, invited even, the disease into my life with open arms because it wasn't the disease wasn't sent to kill me it was sent to give me a message and I fully believe that I totally believe that because if it was sent to kill me I wouldn't be here and one of the messages is that I needed to be able to share with the world not what I went through with the leukemia but the knowledge and the information that I have 
because of the reading that I do, I believe that it's meant to be shared. I believe the mystery, or again, God, Allah, whatever you want to call it, I believe the universe had a job for me to do. And I was keeping all this 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 knowledge and all this all other the things that I was learning and, and reading about and I was going through to myself when other people needed to hear it. And it was selfish for me to keep it all to myself. And I would say, Well, I, I mean I can't worry about nobody else. I'm just supposed to worry about me and and get what I'm supposed to get. I can't control nobody and make anybody do anything. And although that is true, I still have an obligation to at least to at least give people a choice. And the only way that you can make a choice is if you have options, which some of us don't believe we do. Some of us don't believe we have options. People are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And I have it. And I I am. The message is. I'm supposed to give. The knowledge that I have. I don't know why I love to read so much. I didn't. I never read a book from. The time I was born. Until I graduated college. Always found the easy way out. Getting people to. Read the book for you. Give you the answers. You know. Whatever you needed to be done to get through. And now you can't keep me from a book. You can't stop me from reading. I have to read every day. It's like an addiction. If I have if if I have a vice, that's what it is. Books. The other messages I the other message I believe was in it was that again, I don't know. Why I was chosen. Um, why this cross was um, given to me. But I hated my father for a long time. This was a man who was a minister. And who would. Speak to his con- congregation. And say all these beautiful words. Has all has a beautiful testimony because he was a heroin addict. He beat my mother. He beat me to the point where my mother had to run in and shield me from this man. I wasn't. I was only three years old, and I remember. I, I it's little, like snapshots, of that. And he beat me because I spilled some milk on the floor. So. I hated this man. He never paid child support. He never apologized. He moved to another state. And lived his life as if. I didn't mean anything. And I never sympathized with him because I'm not with my son's mother. But I was determined to make sure that my son had a father in his life. Even the many times that I had to swallow my pride with this woman. I had to swallow my pride a lot. 
supposedly, you know, supposed to be picking up my son, but she got him somewhere else and she cussing me out. And I'm just, the only thing I can say, are you done? Well, if you want to get him, I ain't going to get him. You need to go over there and get him yourself. What's the address? And if you knew me, I would have loved for that to go another way. But for the sake of my son, I swallow my pride. And that's one of the reasons me and my son is so close today. But I hated my father. All the way up until two years ago, I hated him. When I was in the hospital for those 10 days, my sister called him and said, you might want to get down here because they saying Larry might not make it. He said, well, I ain't coming to see him. He ain't never sent me a Father's Day card. (laughs) That's what he told my sister. I might be about to leave this earth. And this man said that he would not come see me. Because I never sent him a Father's Day card. He couldn't ask himself why I never sent him a Father's Day card. The fact that he beat me. The fact that he called my mother out of her name because he was so self-righteous. The fact that he never paid child support, although in the scriptures it says that a man that doesn't take care of his family. It's worse than an infidel. That's what it say. I guess he ain't never read that part. But I'm going to tell you. I'm not. Trying to spit blood on my father's name. I'm not. My father died this past February. In a hospital. Alone. Which I believe is a terrible way to go. Now, I'm not saying that that was punishment because when I went to the funeral, there were a lot of men, young men that had great things to say about him. I never witnessed those things. My father never even told me that he loved me. But these men, he seemed to have touched their heart. And I'm going to tell you, that made me happy. It made me proud. And maybe the whole, in the, in, in the big picture of things, maybe I never needed him. The universe knew I didn't need him because I've been perfectly fine without him. I ain't never asked him for nothing. I've never asked any, any I've never asked anything from anybody. One time, actually, I had to take that back. My boy paid my rent. When I wasn't working because when I had got diagnosed. I didn't even ask him for that. To be honest. But he wanted to do it. But I never asked anybody for anything. I always prided myself in just being self-sufficient. And the more I learn about myself, I understand why. Because... I have trust issues and I don't know who I can trust. I don't know who's going to be there. One person I know who's going to be there is my wife. She's proven that. 
And although, you know, I have a lot of friends that a lot of people will, you know, just call friends. These friends are my family. I don't believe everybody that I'm related to is my family, but I have a certain group. I call them my day ones. People are my family. They came to see me in the hospital. One of my friends, you know, took me um, downtown by the water because she knows I like the water and I, you know, I, it, it, it really calms me and and just let me have it. Like, you need to tell people what's going on with you because there's people that care about you. And she let me have it. And ever since then, I make sure I tell people what's, what's, what's going on with me, bad or good. I love her to death. She always keeps it 100 with me. But they are my family. I have a girl I've been knowing since the sixth grade. And we didn't fell out. Bad cool fell out. I don't think nothing can ever tear us apart. I had to tell y'all the stories one day. But I don't think nothing can ever tear us apart. Love her to death. If I need a place to stay. And I really just needed somewhere to go. She would open her doors to me. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that to me. None. She'll do whatever she can. So. I have a. Those people are my family. And they were there for me. In my corner. Some I, I haven't known that long. But it feels like I've been knowing them forever. We just have you know that strong connection. Um. Been there for me. You know, or called me. She calls me every day just to check in. See how I'm doing. I've been doing, you know, a whole lot better now. So, but, you know, especially when it was touch and go, you know, she, I got to check on you. See, you know, see what's going on, you know, every day. But my father never once told me that he loved me. But I was proud the day of his funeral. That those young men had all those nice things to say about him. They needed him. And I guess I didn't. So Larry Lou. Is me. Integrating. With love. My illness. I believe the reason that I've been doing well is because I throw love at my illness. I don't hate it. I cherish it. I do everything that I can to make sure that it doesn't take over my body. I'm not saying I just wanted to take me out. That's not what I'm saying anymore. I don't want to go anywhere. I, I know that I, I now have a purpose. But I love myself. Warts and all. I love myself. And I don't know if I can sincerely say that before. I'm not perfect. But every day I get up. I tell myself it's a beautiful day to die. Not physically. Not that I'm a. Literally leave this earth, but to kill the things that are inside of me that is keeping me from loving myself 
and everybody around me. So the illness was a message. It was a message. That's all it was. To wake me up. For me to see me for who I really am. And to work on that. So I no longer hated my I no longer hate my father. I forgave him two years ago before he died. You know, his wife would call me. You know, your, your father loves you. I used to tell him, my father don't love me. You keep telling me that, but he ain't never caught and told me that. And I had to get with her a couple times. But she would always call me. She did. That I cannot take, I cannot take that away from her. There are a lot of people that are in my corner that I believe helped me through this. You know, I have my biological mother, but I also have a mother in Ohio, in Cleveland, that I met years ago. And this woman took me in and treated me as her own. I could eat up all the food. If I needed some money, she would give me what she had, even though they didn't have a lot. Whatever I needed, this woman was there. I could spend the night. I could sleep there. I probably could have stayed there if I wanted to. They didn't have a whole lot of room. But if I needed to, they would have made space. <laughs> I love that woman to death. When I got sick, her and her husband drove up here. And she's, you know, she's not in the best of health herself. They drove up here. So I have two mothers. But the support was the thing that got me through. And I want to say thank you to all of the people who who stood by me and supported me and who was there and waiting in case my my wife needed them. And my wife, I think she I don't know, she's just who she is and she just loved me. <laughs> whatever I needed, I didn't I mean, I didn't want for anything, you know. She would do whatever I needed her to do. And I love her for that. So. That's the. That's that's part of my journey, probably, you know, one of the most important parts, to say the least. And that's where the Larry Lou came in at. It's integrating the good and the so-called bad or negative parts of ourselves. I don't push it away. That was part of the problem. The things that I didn't like about myself, I needed to face. And that's what I do now. I face them. And I try to conquer them. I'm no longer trying to be led by fear. And I believe it is my purpose to try to teach you the same. So, Larry Lou is the name. I appreciate you all listening, giving me a little bit of your time. Um, I will, from this, going forward, I will be talking about things that will help us individually. That's going to help us grow.
Um, I know I started off with the relationship thing. I think it needed to be said, but it was, you know, to get people's attention a little bit. Like I said, I hope you all enjoyed it. But going forward, it's going to be things that will you will be able to relate individually. It's going to be for everyone individually to help you grow, to help you get rid of the, well, I should say not get rid of, but to help you see what's really holding you back. It's the unconscious. Our unconscious gets us in trouble more than anything else. It's just that by ve- by the very definition of the unconscious, it is unknown to us. Everybody else can see it but you. Everybody else can see things in me but me. Until I had to stop, slow down, and really be honest with myself. So... I want to help you get on the path. I can't make you walk it, but I can put you on it. So again, Larry Lou signing off. T3 Podcast, T3 Life Coaching. You all have a good rest of your day. Peace.